I don't try just to preach sermons. I really try to get objective direction for our people and our church. Because ultimately, folks, my words aren't going to change anybody. God's words are going to change everybody. So I'm praying and I'm seeking for direction. So while I was in Africa, God gave me the layout for the rest of the year of all the sermons I'm going to preach. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. While I was in Africa, I, I was praying. I'm saying, God, I want some direction uh, for the things. I, I, try to, I try to just, I don't try just to preach sermons. I really try to get objective direction for our people and our church. Because ultimately, folks, my words aren't going to change anybody. God's words are going to change everybody. So I'm praying and I'm seeking for direction. So while I was in Africa, God gave me the layout for the rest of the year of all the sermons I'm going to preach. So it's pretty cool, okay? And while I was over there, I started getting a sense that I need to talk about the struggles that you and I go through in life. So I got a series that I put together called The Storms of Life. How many know a storming outside? How many can raise their hand and say, Pastor, it's storming inside too? See, the reality, brothers and sisters, is no place in Scripture does it tell us we're not going to deal with storms. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us, as a Christian, you're going to deal with more storms than non-Christians do. Why? Because non-Christians don't have the enemy against them. Not because they're, I'm not saying they're devil worshipers and stuff like that. It's just they're not opposed to the, thing, to, to the enemy because they're not, up, they're not proposed to the things of God. They're just kind of going through life. Am I making sense? Okay. And the Bible says very plainly in the Scripture, what was Jesus' words? You're either for me or you're against me. People say, well, no, I just haven't made a decision. Did you know that indecision is a decision? And so... By virtue of the fact that you made a decision for Christ, you have opened yourself up to storms. How many can say amen? amen. Oh, I biting your lip on that one. But, but, we, but we do. But you know what? He's the controller of the storms. The devil. Folks, not, nothing personal. I don't want to pop any bubbles, but there is no Mother Nature. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I know we like, hey, Ma, how you doing? Go kiss a tree. And I'm not, okay, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I sometimes just stick my foot right in my mouth, don't I? Yeah. You didn't have to agree with me, Heather. But the truth is, is it, it, folks, we can pray to trees all we want to. It's not going to make a difference. 
We can pray to this and that and the other thing. The only one that's going to make a difference when we pray to God through Jesus, that it's going to make a difference. And ladies and gentlemen, there is no father time. There is no brother sand and sister sea and I mean, whatever the other things. And I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, please, I'm not trying to offend. I'm trying to get to the reality that we have to come to grips with life is real. And life is not fair. Is it okay if I preach that this morning? Look at somebody and say, man, I didn't know that. Life is not fair. Yeah, okay. We all knew that, but we just don't like to look at it. Because we somehow like to think that it's fate which is not a thing that you find in the Bible. Fate is not a biblical thing. It is a man-made thing. Anything outside of Jesus Christ and Him crucified is man-made. Are you with me? And so I laid all of that very simply to get into the point that when things get hot, God still controls the thermostat. Okay? When the storms start blowing, God is still the one that controls the storm. And a long time ago, I learned, sometimes he calms the storm, but more times than not, he calms the child. Let's get into this this morning. 2 Kings chapter 6. I've got a lot of scripture, long way to go, and a short time to get there. One night, the king of Syria sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the prophet's servant got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, chariots everywhere. How, look at me. How many here felt like that's what you got crowding around you? Everywhere you turn is a problem. Am I the only one that feels that way sometimes? Every place. There's a struggle. There's a difficulty. I'm surrounded by this stuff. Is that a good place to start? Jack, you ever felt that way? Okay. There, there, there's the picture. Every day. And the truth is, the rest of us could say the same thing. Oh, it might not be all day long, but it's every day we face something. Listen to what happened. Alas, he says, Master, what do we do? We're encompassed about on every side, he cries to Elijah. And listen to what Elijah said. Listen, listen what Elijah said. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Do not be afraid. Well, it's easy for him to say he's still bunked up in the back. He doesn't have a clue what's going on. He could say, do not be afraid. Ladies and gentlemen, do not be afraid. Listen to what Elijah, Elisha goes on to say. For our army is bigger than theirs. Say that with me. Our army is bigger than theirs. And this is where I want to get you today. Over the next four weeks as we talk about the storms of life, this is where I want to get you. Lord, open his eyes that he can see. Ladies and gentlemen, if there's anything that I could do for you, I would love to give you my eyes. I would love to give you the ability to see life the way I see life. People ask me all the time, Pastor, do you not let things bother you? What's the deal? Nothing bothers you. Things bother me, folks. I just choose not to let them bother me. Why? Because I know greater is he that's in me. 
I know there's more for me than against me. I know that I am the victor. Already. We use Romans 8.37 as our kind of the motto of our church, if you will, great scripture. In him, we are more than conquerors. When you do a word study in the Greek, that word more than conquerors did not even exist when Paul was penning that. God had to show him, this is the picture, Paul. The word more than conquerors comes from the phrase that literally means preeminent victors. Literally, you won before it began. You're the winner before it began. Man, look at somebody and say, I like that. Oh, you want that part? Come on, Mitch, you want to try it with me? Oh, no, 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 my God. We're winners before we began. The minute you gave your life to Christ, you know what happened? You got an army that was bigger than anything hell could muster up. Oh, I got one hand clap out of that. The minute you gave your life to Christ, the entire armies of heaven and God's glory came to your side and said, come on, devil, you do your worst because I got the best on my side. <laughs> oh, Lord, open his eyes. And look what happened. Are you ready, Adam? Are you looking? Look, 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 look. You ready? The mountainside. As far as he could see, was covered with horses and chariots of fire. As far as he could see. Let me tell you something about the servant. The servant's name was Patrick, Jerry, Adam, Lenore, Brandon, Dylan. That was the servant's name. You know why? All the servant could see was the storm clouds. He saw the, he saw the clouds. He started the storm brewing. He woke up and he looked out there and said, Oh man, Jack, it's going to be another day, isn't it? He saw it. But Elisha said, Gehazi, you need to see something more. You need to see something. Folks, it doesn't take anything to see problems. Can I tell you something? If you want to irritate me real quick, just come to me with a bunch of problems. Why does that irritate you? Because I got enough problems. I don't need your problems. Well, I thought that was your job. No. My job is solutions. Does that mean I can't bring my problems? Yes, you can. But only if you want a solution. Only if you want to do something about it. If you want to talk about it, I'll talk to you about that long. I got enough problems to talk about. You do too. Gehazi had an entire mountainside filled with problems. And Elijah said, God, will you show him the solution? There's more for us than against us. See, storms, brothers and sisters, am I making sense so far? People are going to leave here today. Pastor doesn't want to talk about my problems. He doesn't want to deal with my problems. Oh, no, yeah. Then you missed the greatest part of it. I want to turn your problems into solutions. And we can. You know why? Through him. Can you say it with me? I can do 
Did you notice it didn't say through pastor who has all the answers? That's not what it says, does it? It says through Christ who strengthens me. Storms are a part of life. I think the biggest problem that we have as Christians in the everyday life we live is not understanding that God's word says that we can overcome, but it's man's teaching that keeps us overcome. There's a lot of, a lot of times in the church world the pastors become codependent. They need you to have problems. That's what keeps their job. But folks, I'm interested in losing my job. Well, how do you lose your job? We get all the problems resolved. Well, pastor, you wouldn't really lose your job because there's a whole world of problems. Thank you. But if we can resolve those problems, you say, pastor, does that mean the problems go away? Not at all. Your perspective in the problem changes. You start not looking at the problem. You start realizing the promise is a lot bigger. Somebody say amen in this place. The world is full of storms. I think that, that too many of us look at the problem more than we do the promise. But I'm here to tell you that today, look at the title of your message. Today, we can be safe in the eye of the storm. Why? Look at Mark chapter 6 as we read the scriptures. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Listen to me. He made the disciples get into the boat. Now, let me give you the picture, a little background. Jesus has just fed 5,000. They were left over with 12 baskets full of bread and fish. Pretty cool, isn't it? When all you have was three fish and five loaves. Or was it five fish and three loaves? Some of you Bible scholars get me figured out, okay? Okay, a little bit of fish turned into 12 baskets full. Overflowing. Those disciples were doing pretty good. Yeah, I know him. Yep, Jesus, me, and him, we're like that. Jesus said, okay, guys, off your high horse, get in the boat. Listen to what he said. And go to the other side. Go ahead of me to Bethsaida and let me dismiss the crowd. You got enough glory for the day, kids. Let me dismiss the crowd. Get in the boat, go to the other side. After leaving him, listen, Jesus didn't get in the boat. What did Jesus do? He went to spend time with the Father. He went to the mountainside to pray. When the evening came, they're out in the middle of the, uh, the Lake Galilee. Some of us went to Galilee here a couple years ago. We were in the middle of that lake. We saw how big it was. And they were in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. Now look at this. Underline this in your notes, if it hasn't been already. He saw them. Now take the picture. It's nighttime, and he still sees them. What did he see? Them struggling, straining, difficulty, because the wind was against them. Look at me. You're in a storm. The eye of the storm has never came off of you. He controls it all. He watches you struggle. He watches the difficulty. He watches the circumstance. And you'll find out in just a moment why he's watching. 
God wants us to understand in the midst of the storm we can have peace. I'm going to do a whole sermon on that one subject here in a couple weeks. He wants us to know that we can have peace. That his peace and his promises are obtainable even in the midst of the most tumultuous times. He has promised to immediately deal with these issues and these circumstances. The Bible says that God's peace is beyond understanding. It's beyond finding out. And listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 4 and also in 2 Corinthians. It says that He will keep our hearts and our minds at rest in the most difficult times of our lives. Too many times Christians believe that if God were there, troubles would not be. But that's not a biblical thing. That's a teaching of the church. There's churches that teach, well, if you really had faith, you wouldn't be going through that. Really? Pastor, can I tell you about Paul a little bit? I'll tell you about Peter and John and James and Moses and Abraham and David. Can I go on? You tell them that they didn't have any faith and look what they went through. When you read Hebrews chapter 11, the Faith Hall of Fame, the Bible says that some of them were thrown to the lions. And those puppies were hungry, weren't they, Jerry? The Bible says some of them were sawn in two. I'm talking about great men and women of faith. See, there's teaching out there that says that if you had faith, you wouldn't be going through that. There's people that teach, well, if you had the faith, you'd be healed. You could walk out of that. I don't know, I think it takes sometimes more faith to live in it. Isaiah 26, 3 says that God will keep him in perfect peace. Listen to this. Whose mind is steadfast. The original language says whose mind is focused completely in heaven. Colossians chapter 3 says, take and put your mind on the things of God, not on the things of this earth. But look at the last phrase in our, in our scripture, because he trusts in him. Because he trusts God. Ladies and gentlemen, look at me for just a second. One of the problems that we have in the problems of life, the storms of life, the difficulties of life, is we start trusting our abilities to get through them and overcome them and deal with them. When God says, since when is it about you? It's about Him to build us, to get us through, to help us, to strengthen us. See, God's peace doesn't answer all the questions. And even though we may not fully understand, listen to this, God's peace will enable you and I not to question all the answers. It could be very well right where you are is exactly where God wants you. And this is the problem that I find in a lot of Christianity, in a lot of Christendom, is that we try to make Christianity a lifestyle instead of a lifetime commitment. And then it only becomes a facade of feelings. When I'm feeling good, I'm doing good. When I'm feeling bad, I'm not. How many, and just be honest, have found your Christianity like that sometimes? Hey, my hand goes up. 
There's sometimes when I'm feeling good, I'm on top of the world. When I'm feeling bad, I'm thinking, God, where the heck are you? It probably happens to me less than it happens to you, but folks, it still happens. Is it okay for a pastor to be transparent and say, I go through the same stuff you go through. I step in stuff sometimes. Man, I get it all over my shoes. Sometimes I can scrape it off. Sometimes I got to throw the shoe away. I guess I better put it back on. It's going to look pretty funny walking around like that. But some of us got to throw our shoes away. We've stepped in some stuff, and it's stinking to high heaven. Get rid of those shoes and put some more Holy Ghost shoes on or something. Start walking a little bit different. You ever did that? You step in something, and everywhere you go, it stinks? You think, what in the world? Something around here died? Just your feet. Just your feet. Kick them off. Can I tell you something? Kick off that problem. Oh, man, Pastor, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty demonst- demonstrative. That's pretty ed- 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 entertaining. Folks, it's how I live my life. That's why I can overcome things that most people can't overcome. Because I came over to the winning side. And I know there's more for me than against me. I know that the enemy has me surrounded. Can I tell you something, folks? I wake up in the morning surrounded by the devil. I go to bed at night surrounded by the devil. Oh, that's shih tzus. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> you have three of them. Only one of them acts like a devil sometimes. But we won't talk about her. <laughs> but, but the reality is, it's not different than what anybody else deals with. But we got to make a decision to deal with it. Whatever it takes. We have to stop questioning all the answers. There was a pastor one time that developed a heart disease. And he went to many physicians and they gave him little hope of quality or quantity of life. And all of a sudden the pastor got frustrated and he heard about this specialist over in another city in another state. So he went and talked to him. And after a rigorous examination, the, the pastor just asked, can you help me? And the doctor didn't say a whole bunch other than, yes, I can. After surgery and after recovery, the pastor returned to church, to his ministry, renewed and reinvigorated. At a follow-up exam, he came back and he talked to the, to the doctor and he said he's thanking him over and over and over again about returning the quantity and the quality of life. And listen to what the doctor said. He said, I have had my part in helping the quantity of your life. But there's nothing I can do to help the, quant- the quality of your life. That's your decision. Brothers and sisters, in the midst of the storms, it's up to you and I the quality of life we live. We have to choose whether the storm is going to make me better or bitter, determined or depressed, strengthened or soured. Perhaps the best question that can be asked is not why did this thing happen, but what can I become because of what happened? Do you see the twist there? The world wants you to go to psychologists and psychiatrists and all these different things to figure out why is this happening in my life. When God says, because I said it's going to happen, what are you going to do about it? 
What am I going to do about it? Man, that's good preaching. I'm glad I came today. You know, I say that and sometimes people get back and they think, well, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of self-serving and arrogant. No, folks, I'm glad. You know what I'm preaching at you? I'm preaching at me just as much. And I need to hear this stuff. Preacher, didn't you put it together? Yeah, but it always sounds better when it's preaching. You don't know how many times I get delivered in the middle of a sermon. And I'm the preacher. You see, the kind of attitude, brothers and sisters, is the one that looks at the potential good out of every situation. This is the man or the woman that understands the promises of God that are fulfilled in Romans 8, 28, that said, I will cause all things to work together for the good of those, for the good of those, for the good. We leave that word the out. God didn't say he's going to work it together for good all the time. He said, I'm going to work it together for the good of Pamela Tracy, for the good of Bill Weiss, for the good of, 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 of Mary Jo's husband back there, Gary Fox, for the good. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes I just lose names. But I remember somebody's. Think about it. He said, I'll work it for the good. That's just like, you know, women love roses. Do you know rose bushes are one of the harshest bushes in America? Have you ever looked at a rose bush when it's not in season? It is pretty bad looking. You know, we get roses from the thing. They have to cut off the thorns. So do I ask you, is a thorn bush become beautiful? Or does a rose bush become ugly? Can I ask you about your life? It becomes beautiful at times, doesn't it? But when that beauty fades away, it can get ugly. It's life. It's the reality of what you and I deal with. Charles Spurgeon was riding in the countryside one time with a with another man, and he come across this farm. And all of a sudden, he saw a weather vane, and the guy up there, the guy that had the farm loved God, and he wrote on the weather vane, God is love. Spurgeon went and talked to the man because his buddy was upset, and he said, that's, that's not, you know, what do you mean, God? You know, does that mean, you know, that, 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 that God is good at various times, or that, that God is good, that his love is changeable, that God's love variates from this and that? Depending on the day you face. And the farmer came to, to Charles Spurgeon and said, No, that's not what it means at all. It means no matter what way the wind blows, God is still good. <coughs> Folks, no matter what storm may be beating against your life, God is still good. <coughs> Let me take you to another picture of that passage where Jesus tells them to get in the boat and go to the other side. In John chapter 6, it says, Then they, listen, were willing to take him into the boat. The passage goes on, and Jesus comes to them walking on the water, and they thought it was a ghost. Remember the story? (coughs) Yeah, thank you, honey. Remember, but listen to what they said. They were willing to take him into the boat. 
Look at me. You have to be willing to take God into the midst of your situation and stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to figure it all out. They were willing to take him into the boat. And what happened? Look at, look at the passage. It's on the screen, but look at your notes. Either way, the minute he got into the boat, what happened? They were the other side. Can I tell you something? The minute you take God into the midst of your problem, you'll be at the other side of your problem. Oh, not necessarily because the problem changes, but because God's peace. And you change. Matthew chapter 6 says, My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You might be hooked up to something you don't need to be hooked up to. You might be hooked up to the relationships that are bringing you down. You might be hooked up to friends that are bringing you down. You might be hooked up to a situation that's bringing you down. God said, that's not my yoke. My yoke's easy. Oh, you're going to be hooked up to stuff. It's called life. That burden you're carrying around, God said it's going to be easy. If you're carrying a burden that's weighing you down, you better check and see whose burden you're carrying because it's probably not the one God gave you. Am I making sense this morning? See, storms are a part of life, but he is the eye of the storm. And whenever they study hurricanes, whenever they, 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 they study tropical depressions and tornadoes, these storm, these storm chasers, these people that check this stuff out, they fly through this horrific wind tunnel until they get where? To the eye of the storm. It's perfect peace. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get out of a storm, you got to get your eyes back on the storm keeper. Mm. 107 Psalm says these words, he stilled the storm, storm to a whisper and the waves of the sea he hushed. Let me Add some thought to that. Oh, not into the original language or into the perspective, the perspective of the passage. He stilled the storm of their mind to a whisper. He said, it's my still small voice. It's going to bring that peace. And the waves of fear that is crashing in their hearts, he hushes. The presence of God's Peace does not mean a lack of the world's problems. Job, we find that the enemy had to come to God to get permission. And God said, fine. Everything he has is in your hands, but don't lay a finger on him. Look at me, please. There's a lot of stuff that you have in your hands that's bringing you happiness, that's bringing you peace and contentment. And there may be a time that God will say, everything, and Pat and Jess's hands, you can deal with, but don't you touch them. Don't you touch them. What about the stuff? Remember what he told the disciples? They had just seen a great victory, thousands of fishes and loaves left over. And he said, get in the boat, go to the other side. It ain't about you. I'll take care of the people. See, God likes to keep things in perspective. 
What you have doesn't make you more spiritual. What you don't have doesn't make you more spiritual. Who you have changes the spirituality of your life. Are you with me today? He said, fine. You can take everything he has. Just don't touch him. The second chapter and the sixth verse, he said, he is in your hands. See, God even goes a step further when you've got a man or a woman of God that really trusts God. He says, you know, Satan says, well, hey, he's got your protection. He, I mean, come on. How, he worships you for nothing. That's what God's, that's conversation that God and Satan is having. He worships you for nothing. God says, fine. I know his heart. So you can touch his life now. You just can't kill him. The Bible says that he went through all kinds of physical things. Look at me sometimes, folks. God allows you to go through things because he trusts you. And he will use your life to touch many other lives. And he'll let you go through that because he knows you won't give in, give out, or give up because your eyes are focused up. Can you say amen in this place this morning? God's protection is there. Even when things go wrong, we can still do right in the midst of the wrong. It's amazing in the world when things go wrong, or things go right, they, they put it on fate or luck. But you ever notice when it goes wrong? That was the hand of God. Did you ever notice that they call a tornado the finger of God? <laughs> they, they always correlate destruction with God. But when something good happens, ah, it's just fate. Oh, the winds are with us. In your notes, I put this line. If God took you to it, God will take you through it. In Matthew 7, the Bible says, Everyone that hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man that built his house on a rock, on a solid foundation. This passage follows the infamous passage where they came to God and said, God, we did all these great things in your name. And God said, Depart from me, for I didn't know you. Why? Because God's protection is in conjunction with our obedience. Build your house on a rock, and that rock has a name, and that name is Jesus. When the winds blow and the storms break, guess what? It will not fall because God said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And brothers and sisters, your church is not a building. It's you and me, and the gates will not prevail. I lived in San Francisco, or not San Francisco, I lived in the Bay Area during the great 89 earthquake. Remember that quake that, that crushed the pavement and crushed the overpasses and brought, I mean, thousands of deaths. It was an incredible, incredible time. I was pastoring there that time. I tell you what, churches were full. Churches were full. But you know what they found after the great study of, of 1906 and the one of 89 and, and, and other ones subsequent and, and prior to that is the houses that were built out of wood construction were the ones that were more pliable. You know why? Because they gave. They bent. They worked. With that, you don't find a lot of houses in, in the Bay Area built out of brick and out of rock and out of stuff like that. Why? It's too rigid. Okay, Phil was there during that time too. And I mean, those 
a lot of people were killed just by falling rock and falling debris. So they build the houses built out of the rock, out of the out of the, the frame construction were more pliable. They went and bent and, and swayed with it. And then they went even further and they found that the houses that were bolted to their foundation stood strong. The ones that didn't slid right off. Ladies and gentlemen, are you bolted? To your foundation. Are you pliable that when the winds blow, you kind of blow along with them? Oh, not to and fro, but the fact is you know it's blowing. And God, you know I'm growing. So guess what? Let's get the dance on. I'm ready. we got to be firmly attached. Let me close this morning. It takes a storm to help us to understand God's providence. Because it's only God that knows where we are, where we've been, but more important, where we're going. And God's hand is with us in the worst of situations. But I can tell you right now, the outcome will always be based on your obedience, whether you will allow God to do what God wants to do, and you will flow with him instead of fighting against them. Not the outcome of the problem, but the outcome of the victory. Because we have to learn to trust. Psalm 37 says, The footsteps of a good man are directed by God. He delights in every step he takes. If the fall happens, listen, it isn't fatal. Why? He's stepping in God. He understands that life is full of stuff. There's storms, there's situation, there's circumstance. But I'm stepping in the things of God. I'm trusting God. So the fall is not fatal, for the Lord upholds him with the hand, just like that house that's bolted that foundation and is secured to that foundation. Oh, it might get tossed back and forth, but it won't ultimately be destroyed because it's held firm by that solid foundation. The scripture goes on and says, I have been young and I have been old, but in all my years I have never seen the Lord forsake a man who loves him, nor have I seen those children of the godly going hungry. God always makes a way. Oh, he might not give you everything you want, but I guarantee he'll give you everything you need. In 1846, John Quincy Adams suffered a stroke, and although he returned to Congress the following year, his health was clearly, clearly failing. Daniel Webster, names that we're all familiar with, described his very last meeting with Adams, and he talked about a friend that came in to Adams' presence and made particular inquiry about Adams' health, and this is what John Adams responded. He said, I inhabit a weak, frail, decayed tenement, battered by the winds and broken in by the storms, and from all I can learn, the landlord does not intend to repair. So I'm ready to go home. Ladies and gentlemen, your life and mine is in God's hands. Will we trust Him with it? Will we trust that though the storms come in, they're not ultimately going to prevail? 
That when the struggles come, they're not going to ultimately overcome. Because I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said it so greatly in Galatians chapter 2. He said, I am crucified with Christ. It's not in your notes. Just listen. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. You know what he's saying? This life is no longer mine. This life belongs to God. I'm in his hands. And the book of John says that nobody can pluck us out. We can walk out, but nobody can take you out of God's hands. He said, I, I'm, I'm in God's hands, but I'm still very much alive, he goes on to say. He said, I'm very much in control of my faculties. I'm very much in control of what happens, good or bad, in my life. But he said, I made a choice. The life that I now live in this flesh, I'm going to live according to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, I'm not going to look at things. I'm not going to look at stuff. I'm not going to worry about storms. I'm not going to worry about earthquakes. Because I know I'm already dead. This body is not mine. It has been bought with a price. And I, I lay it at the foot of the cross. And he said, even though I've done that, I'm going to deal with stuff. But that's okay. Because the life that I'm going to live, I'm going to live according to the one who said, I work all things together for good, for the good of those who love me and who have been saved according to my purpose. Can you say amen? amen. We've got to get to the place in our life that we start trusting the instructions we start trusting the manual. We start trusting the one who gave his all. Let me give you a couple final things. If you ever go into the forest and you see vines growing on a tree, you'll always interestingly notice if the vine isn't wrapped completely around the tree, it usually grows on the same side. You go through the forest, you'll see the, 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 uh, the uh, vines are on the same side of every tree. Do you know why? Those vines understand where the storms come from. And you'll always find that the vines are on the side of the tree where the storms don't hit or on the side of the tree where the storms do hit. Do you know why? Because if it's on the side of the tree where the storms don't hit, it knows that the storm can't rip it off its foundation. And if it's on the side of the tree where the storm does hit, it knows that the storm is going to make it cling tighter to its foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, storms are a part of life. Either get into the shelter of the eye of the storm or say, God, I want to do more for you. So put me in the midst of the storm that it presses me closer to you. Can you say amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this building. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 41 says, I took you from the ends of the earth, from the furthest corners I have called you. And I said, you are my servant. I've chosen you. I have not rejected you. So don't fear. I am with you. Don't be dismayed. I 
am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And all those that rage against you, I will put to shame. I will disgrace. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you won't even be able to find them. Those who wage war against you will be like nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes you and I hold you in my right hand and I said, don't be afraid. I will help you. That is the God we serve. That's why we can be safe when we're in the eye of the storm. No temptation, the scripture says, has taken you. But accept the same thing that all of us go through. But God is faithful. If you're going through it right now, two things. Number one, you're going through it. You're not staying in it. The second thing, if he took you to it, he is going to get you through it. Zechariah chapter 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. After he has honored me and has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, he'll help us understand whoever touches you Touches the apple of my eye. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing touches the father's child without first touching the child's father. There's nothing you and I will ever face in this world. No storm will ever come against us. That the stormkeeper isn't controlling. You can be safe in the eye of the storm. Because even though you're in the middle of it, it might be the darkness of the night, but he'll be watching. And he'll come to you just at the right time. Just at the right time. And he'll say, can I get in the middle of this boat with you? God, you don't understand. It's a storm. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I control the storms too. He got in the boat, spoke to the winds and the waves. What happened? Stopped. He'll speak to the storm of your life. And immediately, you'll be at the other side. Can you say amen? amen? Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you are the eye of the storm. And even though we don't understand why all of it's happening, it is. God, so many times we sit back and we try to figure it all out. But God, we don't have to. Because you've got it all laid out. And God, we thank you that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit. And Lord, if we would come to the place of trusting you with all of our heart, leaning not to our own understanding, but in the midst of the storm, acknowledge you. God, you'll get us to the other side. Oh God, you may not calm the storm. But I know this one thing, you will calm me, you will calm your child, that we can learn and grow in the midst of the storm. God, you said your eye is on the sparrow, and if it's on the sparrow, how much more are we worth than many sparrows? Thank you this morning. 
In Jesus' name, his heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask you for just a second. Are you going through the storm? Are you dealing with stuff that you just just can't figure out? It's a good place to bring it to the stormkeeper. It's a good time to give it to God and say, God, every side that surrounded me, but you said there's more for me than against me. You said the greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You said that I am more than a conqueror. And God, I'm going to trust what you said, and I'm going to give this to you. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Masters. 